December 12th, 1999. The Green Mile hit theaters, a.k.a. the Frank Darabont Stephen King prison movie you don't like. Mandy Moore released her debut album, prompting listeners to think, maybe she can act? The Simpsons celebrated their 10th anniversary by being not as good. Meanwhile, in Sunrise, Florida, Vince McMahon and Triple H battled for Stephanie McMahon's future. They made me wear underwear. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. have a really important question to ask you guys hit me yeah what's up <laughs> <laughs> are we are we finally there we are finally there you guys on well almost uh, december yeah. 20th on monday night football was the premiere of the budweiser was up commercial and i'm, I'm still writing I'm, ever since i'm still writing budweiser on all my checks <laughs> <laughs> yes i what's am. up <laughs> It's so much fun. We should bring it back. My uh, favorite is when they cut in between while they're still going like that. Ah, 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 you know, I love that. <laughs> That's my impression of it. <laughs> it was a commercial so funny that a scary movie just basically did the commercial all over again. And so will WWE. Mm hmm. For oh like, my become, god, they do it. Oh, become like an ingrained part of an act that we have seen performed live. Maybe it doesn't didn't stick with you, but it is um, associated with some performers. Uh, it like absolutely is part of their shtick forever. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get, get there eventually. Was it the Dudley Boys? We will get there. Don't <laughs> okay. don't you worry your pretty little head. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the attitude era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, and I'm joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast uh, that is two hours long, but its real feel is one hour. (laughs) It's a little I, weather joke for you. I disagree with that. It's real feels probably three hours. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the opposite. Uh, I feel, even if they're playing us at like one and a half speed, it still takes forever. Which is so frustrating for this podcast because I single-handedly ruin everyone's ability to do that. Because <laughs> at 1.5 speed, one third of this podcast is unlistenable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bobby is definitely the flash of our team. Yeah, you, I'm at 1.5 turn... speed already. <laughs> you turn into full chip. Oh, for sure. Yeah. From Chip and Dale. Just your speakers will just boom. I'll just break the sound barrier. <laughs> oh, you mean one of one of the one of the Dale bro- one of the Chip and Dale brothers? <laughs> chip and Dale. Yeah. Um Green Mile in second place at the box office behind Toy Story 2 in its second or third week there. And coming up right behind it, Deuce Bigelow, mm. Male Gigolo. What a time. What a time to be in the theater. Wow. Um, So you you brought up the Green Mile, Mm -hmm. uh, and you you made the apt comparison to Shawshank. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I so recently, um, for reasons I don't need to go into, uh, I was watching Escape from Alcatraz. Uh, just because whatever, man, we got nothing anymore. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm indoors all the time, but, um, but isn't that a good movie? It's a very good movie. Okay. I just mean like, you know, like why, you know, why am I digging into a movie from 1979? Why not? But I watched Escape from Alcatraz. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. What'd you say, Bobby? It sounds like you need more wrestling homework. (laughs) Uh, but I was watching Escape from Alcatraz and it was shocking to me how many things in Shawshank are basically the same from, from escape from Alcatraz, like very shocking. Like uh, the, you know, he keeps, he keeps the tool that he is using to like, to chip away at the, at the wall to escape in his Bible. Um, They walk around as they're walking around the yard. They're like, they're getting rid of like the, uh, the, you know, the, um, what would you call it? The dust or the crumb? You know, the the not the crumbs. The wall. <laughs> the, the wall. They're getting rid of the pieces. Yeah. Of the debris. They're getting rid of the debris as they're walking. I'm like, oh, interesting. Like a lot of, and you know, there's and it's a there's weird a, that um, it's it's even cast Morgan Freeman in the lead role. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, there's a there's a a, a guy who's like. You know the the an old dude who keeps a little um a little mouse that he like feeds that he feeds at the table. You know it's very 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 similar. There's a lot going on there. Well, so you then um, it, and it, they actually they, so they actually crib from the Shawshank Redemption into the Green Mile because the mouse definitely comes back. Oh, I mean that's the thing, right? So definitely a hundred percent Stephen King, uh, stole from. Uh, from uh, the Escape from Alcatraz, and if not that, then a hundred percent, a hundred percent, Frank Darabont uh, stole from Escape from Alcatraz, and Green Mile stole from, uh, yes, from the from Shawshank because I don't know, man. I guess they just run out of things to do with uh, with prisons. I don't know. And I know you're talking like- about Escape from Alcatraz, which is a film I have not seen, um, but I have seen a film called the rock with sean connery and nicholas cage and i know that's not what you're talking about but every time you say escape from alcatraz like that's the, like the where my head like my brain snaps i have to be like no 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 pull it back that's not the one <laughs> we like, need to have a movie called escape from the rock yeah shawshank escape oh, from but the rock. who would ever watch who would ever try to get away from the rock he's so charming that's true have you seen the trailer for young rock came out this week i have I mean, it looks I'm going to watch good. it. Yeah. It's going to well, be bad. I'm going to watch well, it is basically my review. We're all going to watch Young it Rock. that the WWE net, the WWE network and Peacock are merging. And so now we're all going to have Peacock. Mm-hmm. Um, and Young Rock is a show. Literally, it's all there in the title uh, where it's like the story of the rock <laughs> as a child, as a teen and as a young college something. We all is it a movie like a, or is it a TV show? No, it's a TV, TV show. show. It's like we all oh, wondered God. what what the guy from The Big Bang Theory was like when he was younger. But this is The Rock. Oh, so The Rock wasn't in The Big Bang Theory? I thought that's what that's what this uh, universe was. It's it's just oh. all pieces of The Big Bang Theory. I mean, I, I have mean, a Big I'm, Bang Theory that features The Rock heavily. <laughs> I mean, wait, uh, Eric, are you referring to the Les Moonverse? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. That felt good. 
music at this time. Uh, a couple of classic rap albums came out. Goody Mob's World Party, DMX's, and then there was X and Jay-Z's The Life and Times of S. Doc Carter. I was very, very sexually attracted to DMX. Very. I'm just going to come out and say that. Did he, <laughs> did he do, did he do, he didn't do Rough Riders, did he? Yeah. Yeah. Was that on this album? No. Oh. Uh, no, that was. Uh, no, this, you put me on the uh, spot. X gonna give it to you or whatever. Is no, that this, this is one? this is uh this is party up. Uh, Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Yeah. Up in here. Up, up in, in here? here. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine DMX to be sexually terrifying. Yeah, like, but that's I feel what I'm like into. <laughs> I feel like in bed, he he's just gonna like scare an orgasm out of you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not asking him to be nice. <laughs> That's not what I'm after. <laughs> at a certain point, here you're gonna be like, X. Why are you yelling at me? I know. Well, yeah. We will afterwards. We'll be nice to have some pillow talk. I can't imagine pillow talk with DMX uh, <laughs> after the fact. So I think I would probably just have to call my Uber and leave. Pillow talk with DMX now on Peacock. <laughs> well, I mean, the name of the show is definitely X. Gonna give it to you. Oof. Oof. Boy. Yeah. And then um, Gran Turismo 2, video game of the moment. Hey, kids, do you want to know what it's like to drive a car? Now you can. Gran Turismo 2. Yeah. With real-time traffic. It was perfect. I don't know. I never watched it. I never played it. I mean, I don't know. What what do you do with games? Oh, my God. Speaking of games. Uh so we're okay uh, you guys are gonna hear this two weeks from now so it's probably over but uh are you guys is it i mean are you my fellow co-hosts are you all caught up on the the gamestop debacle well let me tell you gay households across america are in tatters tonight trying to make sense of what is stock market We are just too out. Every homosexual, I'm sure, is home with their partner just being like, I don't know. I think that it's like everyone bought a little bit, but they bought too much at once. And they were like, oops, we don't have enough money to front these stocks we sold or something. And like, <laughs> we're like very loosely kind of dancing around the components of it, but truly could not tell you uh, anything about it. So I, I am when you say, am I following or am aware? Uh, the idea is sort of the same way I am about like kind of like a more advanced uh, physics concepts and theories. I'm aware of them, but right. I truly could not explain to them, to a toddler, how it works. And and for me, we're all aware of how often I think about time travel, right? Of course. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And how my number one worry is that I will be sent back in time and it will be up to me to stop 9-11 and do I have enough knowledge in order to do that and then once i get past there then i've got to tackle the housing crisis and do i have enough knowledge to do a big short and the answer is no yeah i mean i have probably more knowledge and i still can't do a big short like if you you said to me here's all this stuff do a big short i'd be like sorry man i'm so I, i i can't do this but uh you know, in true fashion, uh, Bobby has never seen this before, and I am, I guess, the resident expert because I and I will. I'll talk about why I at least have more expertise than the than the rest of you. Um, I and and, think and I, don't I, worry, guys. I'm going to put in the episode notes where you can skip to if you want to get back to the uh, the wrestling. Yeah, talk. That's fair. I'll try to keep this re- as short as possible. I have to have dinner after this. Um, <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, I get my history from this, from from very much enjoying the movie Trading Places uh, when I was a kid. And uh, as, a, you know, later on in life, really, I just always was struggling to try to figure out what the fuck happened at the end of that movie. Um, and it took me a long time. I read, like, I read at least a couple web pages that were literally just like, the ending of Trading Places explained. Um, that Trading Places, if you don't know, is the Dan Aykroyd and, and um, Eddie Murphy movie. And at the end, there's this whole big scene in the stock market. Anyway, I sort of had a handle on it, but it wasn't until the the actual true big short happened, like the like in 2008, and I listened to like a, I think it was like maybe like a Planet Money podcast or something, that it finally clicked. So here's what happened with this GameStop thing. Dan Aykroyd did blackface. Dan Aykroyd did blackface. Totally warranted. It was it called for it in the in the plot. Um, so what happened? Okay, so uh, I I want to say like last year, maybe around January or something. Uh, it was basically everyone uh, who was like I guess working at hedge funds decided that that uh, there were a set of these uh, big companies that traded publicly that they were going to short. Now, shorting means that you are buying, well, sorry, you're borrowing stock and you're using that borrowed stock and selling it. And then... You know, so you get the money from your borrowed stock, but then at a certain time of that's predetermined, you have to uh, re. You have to actually supply the stock that you borrowed back to a person. So it's like it's kind of like I gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today, except you're like you're asking for the hamburger and then selling it to somebody, and you're hoping that on Tuesday hamburgers are a lot cheaper than they were on Monday so that the money that you make from the sale on Monday, you get the profit from the difference on what you're paying on Tuesday. Does that make sense? Nope. (laughs) So like if, okay, if I bought, if I borrowed, if I, I thought I did a good job with that. Okay. You did. If I borrowed. You were great. great. Really? If I, no well, I mean, I mean, to be fair, we've tried splitting like a seamless bill before, and it was a fucking disaster. There was a, there was like a an Excel document and formulas involved, so I, I'm not that surprised. Okay, if if I if I'm if if you have ten shares of of a stock, okay, and I said to you, so and I said to you, hey, can I borrow that stock? No, what and do you I'm mean going borrow? To, that's where I'm already lost. Why would I borrow? Yeah, they stuff? literally. You're literally. You're literally borrowing. Like you're. You're basically saying, I. I'm going to take this stock from you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it back to you at a certain point. That's okay. Stupid. So okay, got it. So yeah, right. It's just yeah. Oh. It's like it's like I. Now it's like, I it's like lending. It's lending. Yeah. So, so I'm wait, borrowing. Wait. So they they yeah. they borrow. Let's say two two stocks worth two shares of the stock of these ten shares. Yep. They borrow yep. two. They sell them to someone else, and then they're hoping yes. they can buy them back and return them into the original pile of ten for cheaper money later, or more money, or whatever. 
<laughs> exactly. Okay, yes. but wait, who? Where does who, which one is Reddit? Is Reddit the doing? Okay, I'll get I'll get to Reddit in a okay. second. All right, because I don't. I'll get to Reddit who, in a second. I understand the mechanic now, but I don't understand the the yeah. players. <laughs> so so all of so Wall Street hedge fund big hedge funds uh, were were doing this practice where they were essentially they figured like GameStop. Uh, or like you know, there's like there's there's a few of them like GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, yeah. like yeah, like a lot of a lot of companies that you're like, oh man, like they were not doing well to start with, and also a pandemic is not going to help. Yeah. So everybody was just like they were like printing money using this method. The idea being, oh, we are going to like we're gonna we're gonna sell this stock to people at let's say. $10 a share and by the time we have to give this stock back it's going to be worth like 50 cents we're going to make billions right mm-hmm. so what these guys did this is this is Wall Street they they um i guess like created terms where they were like uh i will if you let me borrow the stocks now like last year if i will in you know, in January of 2021, on like actually, a lot of them come are due this Friday. So Friday on uh, was it the 29th? On on January 29th, uh, I will return the stocks back to you, right? And so there, that's what their plan was: like borrow the stocks, sell the stocks. Then on January 29th, when the stocks are worth nothing, buy them back give them back to the people that you borrowed them from and keep all the profit. Right. Got it. So that's, that's, and that was just like, you know, normal business going on. Right. That's just wall street doing what wall street does, which is just banking on failure. Got it. Uh, so what was happening on Reddit was there is a, there's a Reddit, there's a subreddit that's called wall street bets and wall street bets is uh, I and I I get this from a friend of the pod uh, and and listener Connell Darcy who actually has been following uh, Wall Street bets for like years and he was according to him Wall Street bets is like people who are insane and they're just like they just tell these stories of like you know big wins and big losses it's like playing at the casino you know like they're these guys who are like I you know I invested. Uh, twenty thousand in this stock, and I'm and now I made like you know five hundred thousand dollars, or I invested my life savings and I lost all of it, and every it's just they're just crazy people talking about like playing the stock market like it's you know like the lottery. Yeah. But but over the past year, there were people on this on this subreddit that were essentially saying like they were like, hey, we've noticed that GameStop among other among some of these other stocks has been like the stock has been dropping and here is why we think that GameStop is actually going to be a good purchase and like they came up with ideas like you know like oh you know like people are going to be more into cartridges because like a lot of games are getting you know are using more memory and it's like harder to to just download the game so more people are going to be interested in cartridges but really a lot of like the main point that that came about was um people were like out of all the stock that's out there from GameStop something i think the number i heard quoted was like 80% of the stock had been shorted so what that means is that like most the majority of the of the GameStop stock that was out in circulation was just these fucking you know douchebags borrowing stock and selling it in order to pay it back. 
So what that meant was uh, the people on Reddit were like, this is an opportunity because we can fuck these people up. They're making the, they're, the shorting of the stock and the selling of it is making the price of the stock go down. We're going to buy up all this stock. And so all of these Redditors who had, I guess, money to spare, they all started buying GameStop. And they were like, let's do this. Let's just buy GameStop. So they started buying and like a bunch, you know, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of, you know, purchasing. And, and to a point where they're actually affecting the price of GameStop. Now there's somebody who's buying the stock and they're actually, these Redditors are telling their, their broker, do not lend out my stock. So like, don't, don't let anybody use my stock to short. We're now going to reduce the, the amount of, of supply that's out there. You can't, you know, you're not going to do that to my stock. We're just going to hold the stock. So them buying the stock made the stock start shooting up in value. Then um, I think GameStop like had, I think somebody from like another site that was like, I think called Chewy.com, which I don't really know what that is. But this successful site, the guy who started that site joined the board of, of directors for GameStop. And people were like, it's happening. It's happening. Like it's, it essentially was like people just decided like these, like, you know, these trolls on Reddit were like, we can, you know, like we think that, that GameStop is worth buying into. And so they actually changed the perception and all of a sudden GameStop started getting real people investing in it. So then like, you know, Elon Musk uh, tweets something like Game Stonks and everybody goes crazy because they all fucking love Elon Musk on there and people start buying more and more and more. So what what's happening now is, and the reason why they're calling it like Robin Hooding is because these Redditors who like are not, you know, they're not Wall Street people. They're like, they're just like, you know, schmucks who have some, you know, who maybe we don't even know if the money that they have is like their life investment or if it's like some spare money or what. It might be a mix of all of it, but they're not, they're certainly not like MBAs. Um, these people are making the stocks go up and everybody in the hedge funds is freaking out because if the stocks stay at the price where they are, they, the, all the hedge fund people, when it's time to buy back the stocks to give, get to give those, those shares back to the people that they borrowed them from, they're going to pay more than what they sold them at back in, you know, January or February last year. So they're going to lose billions of dollars. Does that make sense? Mm, hold on, most I'm just computing the last part. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the part where the rich people lose money. Yeah, I like. Uh, yes. I, maybe I just want to hear it again because I like it so much. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, I mean, the stock market confuses and infuriates me <laughs> because well, yeah, it, no, it should 100%. be illegal. Yeah, it's absolutely the most insane thing. And then also that like a bunch of of, of like a uh, dumb dumb hundredaires walk around like excited about how the stock market's doing, and it, it's just truly the whole thing is galling. Oh yeah, it's gross. I mean, short selling a stock should really be illegal. I think. I think it's like I think it's gross to be like. I mean, the problem with the stock market is it's just like imaginary shit built on imaginary yeah, shit. So yeah. short, short, short selling is like the most imaginary thing possible. It's like, oh, you remember how we imagined that there that you could. 
divide up a company and <laughs> hand out those shares. Now imagine that you don't have those shares because I have them from you for a little bit, but I don't even own them. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. That's. I mean, and I'm going to make a profit off of it. Yes. Okay. I so maybe I do understand it. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, it is. It's a. It's a far cry away from like from the idea of like, hey, I believe in what this company is doing and I think that they're making a product and that they're going to develop and and, and, and We've grow as a company. We've got sterling bars to back up these shares. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I... Right, you know, exactly. Yeah, and now it's just like straight up Calvin Ball. Yeah, this like, is just... Like, yeah. Well, that's why they're the, like, well, we can't, you know, feed everybody or give everybody houses, but we can like make up this like very complex shell game. It's like, what? Yes. AMC, AMC Movies is like is right now because of movie the, theater the value. big big money industry right now right right because because of what they're valued at now because of this like weird fluctuation due to the redditors it's valued at like a multi-billion dollar company and they're not open you know what i mean <laughs> like it it's 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 all complete paper tiger shit so like could it could anybody do this like could i do a stonk like i don't understand <laughs> you could but but again to quote connell darcy uh it is the riskiest shit in the world like i mean like if you wanted to get in on on like the uh on, on the gamestop parade you could buy you know like if you you could like open up a charles schwab account i have a charles schwab like not i mean they should really sponsor us i have a charles schwab like <laughs> like checking account because they repay my atm fees and i and it comes with a brokerage account so like technically i could put money into the stocks but like i don't know man uh i don't want to be that you know like it, it feels to me like the like the whole cryptocurrency thing yeah, from a yeah, few yeah. years ago yeah like even like, though i, I want to help take down the system i still don't want to be part of the system <laughs> yes and and i mean like the 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 only difference that i see right now is that like nobody's using like game cartridges to like buy child slaves on the black market so like this is better than than bitcoin i mean also eric nobody is using game cartridges nobody's i'm still using game cartridges i'm the only one (laughs) and i I I can't get one child slave for any of them switch is still cartridge based but yeah everything else is uh, should we talk about some wrestling, you guys? Nah, yeah, let's this do is it. fun. All right, this is fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> before we get to uh, the pay per view that we're going over tonight, a little bit of notes from Raw and SmackDown on the way up. They've got a guy in the crowd carrying a placard that says "WWF equals worldwide filth." The Parents Television Council has set their sights on the WWF, and so get this. JR asks viewers to call and write their sponsors to thank them for their support. JR is asking you, the viewer, to write to JVC Kaboom Box and say thank you for advertising with the WWF. There is a flashing orange tribal tattoo that's showing up occasionally on the Titantron. And Mae Young is ready for two things, the Billboard Music Awards and Cultural Appropriation. That's all we got from outside of this show. And now to start off this another Undertaker-branded no-show show in Armageddon 1999, what the hell is happening? What the hell is happening? That, that's what I felt like watching a lot of this. And I was like, I don't know who any of the faces or heels are. And the thing is, I've watched most of these Raws and Smackdowns. And I'm like, I don't understand who is the face, 
who is the heel, what is the story, or what is anyone talking about? <laughs> so um, it starts off with this this sepia toned Mormon Tabernacle choir, um, with with all this text that's popping up on the screen very quickly. It was very hard. For, I, I had to write everything. I wrote down. it all down. I wrote it, I all, wrote down it all down just down. to make okay, sense good. of it. Good. Okay. But I did not. So thank you for both of you doing that. By the way, I, I, I'm going to object to Mormon Tabernacle Choir because I, I was under the impression that Mormon Tabernacle Choir was all adults. Is it like this was a children's choir, right? This was a children's choir. I don't know. <laughs> I'll ask my parents. I feel like they went to the Mormon Tabernacle. I don't know. They talked about it once. I didn't listen. You're not allowed in. They don't let you in. They had the uh, the Mormon Temple off of the Beltway in in D.C. and it looked like the fucking Emerald City popping up from over the trees, as though there was just going to be a witch over there going surrender Dorothy. And I always wondered what it was like inside. But you got to be a Mormon to get in. They check your underwear. <laughs> So this starts off with, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Draw my blood, drain my soul, seize my strength, but not all three. What? Yeah, I really draw was my blood, dra- here. <laughs> draw my blood, drain my soul sounds the beginning, like the beginning of like, is that like a Linkin Park thing? Like, I tried so hard. I, yeah, um, that is a Lincoln Park thing, and this could be a Lincoln Park. This is the the Lincoln Park mashup with Jay Z, or is it maybe Evanescence? Like, like, wake me up, draw my blood inside. I watching reading this was honestly like a thrill of it was a roller coaster every time because you know they sometimes they use like real historical speeches and real historical things whether it's like Plato or Martin Luther King or Winston Churchill like it's usually like a famous speech. So it was a weird mixture of things that were like kind of quotes and then kind of also yeah. like specific storyline things. And I was like, wait a minute, no one said that. Wait a minute. It's the thing. It's like, if you yeah. stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything or whatever is like the, that's a, that's a famous thing to be said. Yeah. Uh, that's a famous then, thing. Yes. But then in between they're like, not my daughter or my title. And I was like, I don't think that's part of the quote. Like it was very, it was a very weird experience. It made so little sense. Like my daughter, my gold, my it life's me, work. It made me think what? that Triple H was a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> my gold. You best give me me gold or I'll be taking your daughter. <laughs> my lucky charms. Uh, uh, she is me. It is me. <laughs> <laughs> we broke into like it's like a Duolingo lesson here. It got so it just like it just spun. This really spun out of control. This opening. And then, I know what I will stand for. What I will fight for. I will stand. I will fight. What is this? <laughs> you will not take this. Not my daughter. Not me gold. Not tonight. And then we get an exploding shield with a bunch of fake runes on it. Like it's uh, Bradshaw and Farouk's chest. I I thought that that the, the background that you see when they do the title, uh, that that's like basically what you see in Dana Barrett's refrigerator. <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And then we get to the arena and it's not all like medieval runes and fire and shit. It's just like full on war zone with tanks and helicopters, literal tanks and helicopters. It's, it's the set of mesh. It's like, they just (laughs) took the original set of mesh and they're like, okay, well let's just do this. 
And the first match of the night is a tag team battle royal. Um, the Dudleys almost got through a whole promo without the stutter gimmick. I cannot wait for that shit to go. It's soon. And then uh, they call Edge and Christian a bunch of pretty boys. Are they pretty boys? They are. They're, they're wrestling pretty. pretty boys. They're wrestling pretty boys. And their characters are going to develop that... into some more pretty boys as well. I just feel they got I... that long blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful Edge hair. Has... Edge has too severe a face for me. Edge is considered a, a pretty boy. very handsome man. By men. Very handsome. Very handsome. Yes. Shawn Michaels is a pretty boy. I Shawn Michaels of... is a sexy boy. <laughs> He's also a boy toy. Edge is a no, I guess we, I mean like Tyler Breeze is a pretty boy. Yes. Um he's a very pretty boy. Edge though, he's got that hair is gorgeous hair. That is go- mm-hmm. when he's not as grizzled and sunken in as he is today, I do think he is a prettier boy back back at this time. Also, there just weren't as the boys just weren't as pretty back then. That's true. No. That's true. That's science. Um, the headbaggers come out and we're told that they survived a knee injury and a horrible gimmick, which no lies detected there. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Uh, yeah, and, uh, Masha's wearing a bra, huh? That happens mm-hmm. now. I don't remember, I don't think it's ever really explained, but if you're keeping tabs on, like, what the music is doing right now, I believe, are we, when is, is, when does Dope Show happened already, I feel like, but. Dope Show already happened, so this is, is that post-Dope Show Marilyn Manson but when did Dope Show happen? Do we remember? I'm going to look this up. Dope Show was 97 or 98. It's got to be 98. Uh, but I feel like they're playing off of that aesthetic. The sort of like I, gothy androgyny um, I f- orgy. I feel like it's... Um, it was September 15th, 1998. I feel like it's almost post-Mechanical Animals, though, because um that's more like a more like a glam kind of look to it mm. no i don't know i mean they're, they're they're definitely still drawing from marilyn manson i just think that he's done a little bit more since the dope show that's pretty much where i checked in and also checked out mm-hmm. uh um, but thrasher's wearing a muumuu and looks like a full cult- cultist yeah And then we have the then Hardys we... and Terry and the Accolades. Uh, you forgot about the two worst workers in the Mean Street oh. Posse. Oh, right. The Mean Street Posse and also Too Cool. I'm forgetting about a lot of them, actually. I feel... <laughs> um, I, I, I made me wonder, do you think that Vince just never really liked Shane's friends? Like, that he's like, yeah, yeah, you could wrestle, but just to, so that he could see them, like, get knocked around a little bit, just because he never really liked them and really never liked Shane hanging around with them. I feel like Vince is too, uh, would be like, doesn't remember Shane's name, let alone, like, bother to remember, have, like, an opinion on his friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, You mentioned the Acolytes, Bobby. They do not have their symbols painted on them, which is uh, character development. Yeah, we're getting there with them. They're almost there. And Too Cool is getting over with the crowd big time. Acolyte's got a big pop, too. I was surprised. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have to say, I I was watching this and thinking, like, wow. Like, that is an entire 
Those, these are eight tag teams that are characters and they're still good, but they're distinct and they're unique. And you never like looked in the ring and like wondered like, Oh wait, is Ricochet partners with Shelton Benjamin or is he partners with Cedric Alexander? Like you can never, where it's like everyone's kind of thrown together. It's like, these are uh-huh. real, real actual tag teams with, well, with, well, but I also, mean, Mark Henry uh, Godfather, and Godfather and Mark Henry, but even and, still and, that, I, and I Mark Henry's, that. Mark Henry's story right now is confusing as all hell. We're going to be uh, catching up with him in a deep dive soon. But they have the history of nation domination and they uh, have this like sexy gimmick together, like sexual mm-hmm. chocolate, the Godfather. I buy it. I buy that. Mm-hmm. But like what a bunch of characters, you mm-hmm. know, and I do miss like, no, I don't miss like Doy the Clown and Duke the Dumpster, like all like the job, like hokey gimmicky shit. But, like, these are real characters. And I, you never had a guess. You, it was never confusing who was on which team, which two go together, because they look alike. They have they have mm-hmm. move sets that are, are, you know, utilize both partners. Uh, the gear works. And they're really distinct personalities and characters. And they have it from the, their music to their entrance to everything they do is, like, consistent. Um, and I love with this, this is for a shot at the number one contendership to get the title shot at Royal Rumble, which I do not think WWE does nearly enough today. NXT does mm-hmm. an okay job at this sometimes with number one mm-hmm. contendership matches, but this is a great way. I love it pay-per-view to pay-per-view. Give me a reason for seeing a lot of stuff in between. Sometimes it's yeah. like, I'm fine taking a month off of a title match if it means that I can, we're really seeing progression and like uh, logic being built into the storylines. Yeah, talking about about characters, that's something that I really think needs to be built into the women's tag division if that's ever going to be a thing. Like, I want the lady Ascension. I want the lady version of... um, God, it's hard to... You're you're right, it's hard to even come up with the characters even more. Rizango. Just let's stop just throwing two women together and calling them a team. Yeah, to me, if I was there, the first thing I would do is be like, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose... You're the body Donnas. Just do mm-hmm. the body Donnas. Like literally do the exact gimmick. Like you're like workout queens, like mm-hmm. super easy. Uh, yeah. And like keep folks like the uh, Iconics together. I think the Riot Squad has a lot of potential that's untapped. And same thing with, I, I really like uh, Kaden Carter and Casey Catanzaro in NXT, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez, though I think Raquel is a single star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I agree. I wish there was more established teams. I'm hoping the women's Dusty Classic on NXT is going to help that word um i starting this match um is a sentiment that uh i echoed throughout the whole night watching this show huh i actually enjoyed that is this is a a mixture of surprise and and delight that that a lot of these matches that on paper i'd be like well this is going to suck really did it for me starting here Hmm. Um, there were definitely parts of this that I liked. Um, I thought it was funny that, uh, that, what was it? Rodney and Joey abs were doing twin magic. (laughs) Yeah, that was good. Uh, I was like, wow, I guess they're, you know, they're going for it. Um, the ref just sees the sweater vest and he goes face blind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I also thought that, uh, Christian had a really good elimination of too cool. He got like did he got like both of them out right or mm-hmm. something at the same time that was really good. Um, Jeff Hardy always I mean Jeff Hardy man you know I thought I was going into this thinking I was gonna love Matt Hardy more but Jeff Hardy is really has such such good spots. Oh, Jeff Matt, Hardy 
Yeah, go ahead. Jeff Hardy took that clothesline from hell and made it look devastating. Yep. I lo- yeah, that's a booking. great great springboard. Sorry, what were you gonna say? I was say I love the booking. I think that's like the like I love the ending. I love the false finishes in this. I mean, like battle royals are so predictable and sloppy and i think everyone here really worked hard and like gave it a bunch of moments and i think the right team went over yeah yeah for i mean for what the division is right now and and it's still a division growing i think the acolytes are definitely the right ones to go over here and the hardys look great you know what i mean i think they didn't Mm -hmm. lose in in losing especially they they you know basically already they won twice in the match yeah, exactly. And, you know, they, they got painted as, like, you know, flew too close to the sun. They were too high-flying almost. You know, that was their undoing, even after, you know, and also shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And Jeff got fucking launched at the end there. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Could you imagine being in that front row and just having him just flying at your face? No. I was, was just picturing though. it. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Just just take a second and imagine it. Yeah. And then we go to Kurt Angle, who, yes, please, Kurt, wear your medals 100%, who is still undefeated in singles competition. Um, Angle comes out and the people are about it, and I, I don't like that. I, I, I need, like, dude, let's do a little bit of heel work. Because this was, I think, one of those ones, Bobby, that you you talked about earlier. Where what is the alignment in this match? Well, I, I really, because this is one I thought was the clear. Well, I mean, you're right because Kurt Angle is definitely the heel here, like, and he's right. playing this, you know, tongue in cheek, you know, blue blazer ish uh, hero. But it's obviously, you know, it's too it's too over the top. It's too sanctimonious. It's too smug and self righteous. But Steve Blackman is not a babyface and then also does a post-match attack. So you're like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to like Steven Blackman. Like when when uh, Kurt was like, I still think I'm undefeated because it's, it's Steve Blackman's fault. I was like, let's blame everything on Steve Blackman. <laughs> like, was he eating pangolin? I don't know. Like, maybe he's the reason we're all indoors right now. This is, though, a much better pairing than I would have expected. And I was surprised by the boring chant from the crowd because I found this uh, an an engaging match with somebody that I haven't said has had an engaging match maybe the entire time we've seen him. This is my favorite Steve Blackman match, but I still think the boring chants were a little warranted. Kurt Angle. Well, I mean, they... Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, like... uh... You know, it's kind of crazy to see Kurt Angle do a moonsault and then be like, boring. I'm like, that is never that boring. The moonsault was beautiful. But there's a lot of like DDTs and hip hip tosses and and waist locks, waist lock takedowns and stuff like that. That was like, okay. Uh, I did really like Jerry Lawler. I thought Jerry Lawler had a couple good lines in this match, actually. But there was a point where, because he was, he was Jerry Lawler was uh, unbearable in some other matches. But in this one, they're chanting "boring," uh, and Jerry's like, "They're chanting boring," and uh, Lawler's like, "Are you sure that's what they're saying?" And then Jerry goes, "Well, they're not saying Doreen." And Lawler, without missing a beat, goes, <laughs> "Well, she's here tonight, you know," <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> That was like a really good, and you could tell that wasn't scripted. That was definitely just the two of them off the cuff, and it was honestly very funny. 
I missed I missed him saying that. Yeah, it was a good little bit of uh, banter with the two of them. But then uh, we definitely are going to get the worst of Jerry Lawler for the next match. Um, oh, Kurt Angle goes over. Um, and then after the match, the face Steve Blackman goes and gets a pair of nunchucks and beats out Kurt Angle. And beats the gold medal winning Olympic U.S. hero. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. <laughs> so we go backstage where BB is in her dressing room. And we all remember the uh, the Sable swimsuit competition where they did the bit with the light shining through the, uh, the, the, the dressing window so that we're able to see Sable's sexy silhouette. They don't quite have the um the curtain and the light lined up correctly so it just looks like bb has an incredibly lumpy body with a tiny head yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a very weird shadow puppet situation that was like happening uh in this this backstage promo and then we've got michael cole doing his best a goal but his best is not jerry lawler here no, and BB is no, like, Terry Runnels either. I mean, the two of them, I was like, could someone come help them carry the scene? <laughs> like, it's, lift from your legs, sweetie. Like, it's it was very tough <laughs> to watch. And so then we go back to Heat, where May and Mula push Ivory into a pool that I certainly did not notice as part of the set early on, but we see it later on. This is, I mean, everything, uh, obviously, what we're about to discuss is awful it's very bad but i also don't understand in any interpretation any sexuality any level of decency just regardless any of that just like logistically what was the idea here it was a (laughs) pool but it wasn't really a pool as much as it was a bag of water uh and, and like with no it looked like absolute fucking shit and so like why erect this disgu- this stupid thing so ladies could wrestle in opaque ju- like stoned sequin gowns wet like it was not i was like this is less sexy you know what i mean like what what was the point it, yeah it was like it was like they were like okay so you guys have heard of wet t-shirt contests we're not going to do a wet t-shirt contest. We have a specialty over the WWF. We call it a, uh, a, a an evening gown contest, but well, we're going to ratchet it up a notch. A wet evening gown. It doesn't. None of it makes it sense. But it's like it's like you know when you ask a four year old to come up with like their idea of the perfect birthday cake. You know, it's yes, got everything. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's like you know what people usually wear in a pool: bikinis, which are what more revealing than gowns so why not just have them what it was like the whole thing was and i understand when it's like mud or pudding or whatever and i'm not saying i like those ideas better or i think that yields good content but at least it follows like a train of logic that makes somewhat sense for like a human person like this was let's throw these sexy ladies in their makeup and hair and and these jeweled gowns into a bag of water on the floor (laughs) why this whole only- show feels like it was booked by like a nine-year-old who, who was asked, "Wouldn't it be cool if?" Yes, right, right. It's like you get Twizzlers and Snickers, and you put icing on all of it, and you mash it together into a giant Oreo. But like, I think, I think that what they're getting at is water is cold. The water, I assume, was kind of cold. 
because I think what they're going for is like hard nipples and clinging and and clinging uh, fabric. Whereas like um, uh, bathing suits are kind of more stretchy material, and they're like, you know, they they do kind of a better job at like. I don't know. They're just well, it just I, looks different than like than like a wet clinging, you know, more sheer piece of clothing, I guess is well, what they're Well, you can't going take for. off the bathing suit top, which is why they basically they're where their underwear they're wearing is essentially bathing suits. You know what I mean? Like that's it's like we'll get well, to Kitty in a Well, bit. in Ivory's case, it is definitely a bathing suit. She did not take any <laughs> shortcuts. But that's, she is I don't like what in what world is that any kind anything you wear underneath Well, uh, I think that a, was the a, joke. I think she gown. was supposed to be in a girdle and that was like the joke is like she got embarrassed and like got her girdle showing basically is, I think oh, is that to, it okay. yeah i think that was supposed to be like the gag there it's like everyone's in sexy underwear but ivory's in like a girdle so she looks you know better in her gown uh speaking was, of mormons but like no one even like the com- but no one could even sell that because there are no because straight men didn't understand <laughs> so like the even like i don't think lola yes. or the king like put that over but i could tell like they probably added that detail thinking that was like a character piece or like maybe that was Ivory's that was idea. the B side. Is that was the B side? Uh, straight men just don't understand. <laughs> but All the, right, here's the, the situation. Yeah. Ivory's in, <laughs> in the pool. Yeah. Sorry. So the match. The match starts. The and and again, very loose. The match starts, and it's like when they get in the pool, and someone's like, "Hey guys, what if we made a whirlpool?" And they all just start chasing <laughs> each other around. It's like it's like Dad needs to clean the bottom of the pool, so we need to get all the gunk in the middle. They are literally just splashing each other for the first five minutes of this. I'm like, God, what is the wrestling part of this? They're just they're just splashing each other there is a part where where kitty is rubbing bb's head as though she's the now the paramedic (laughs) (laughs) i mean there is also don't get me wrong there's also a point where they are they're straight up drowning bb right like (laughs) they are they are holding bb's head under the water like she is a sack of kittens a lot like Like for a lot i was concerned i was like that is a long time (laughs) yes and then, I would love to be backstage after that match to hear <laughs> BB go rip into them for that. Oh, I heard they got a standing ovation at Gorilla after this match. <laughs> <laughs> and the next night on Raw. Did they really? No. No. <laughs> oh, okay. I meant, well, you know. Um, why is Ivory trying to rip off BB's bra? Why is she so bad at it? And why does it go on for so long? Yeah, especially when it didn't. Was it supposed to succeed? Like, it looked like Listen, they were like everyone was waiting for something to happen, and I'm like, is yes. is it supposed to come off? And then I think so, what was supposed to happen is yeah, like the I think the back strap was supposed to come off, but she was supposed to hold the cups to her, right? I have no I, idea. Your guess is as good as mine, Eric. Because it also like if you think about the spots that follow, that spot's not needed. Like that spot wouldn't mm-hmm. make sense. <laughs> no. I mean, whom amongst us has not been uh, in high school and and just having a real hard time, you know? Uh, just saying, I, I, I feel I feel Ivory's pain. I that Ivory has a boner. No, what I'm saying oh, is, I'm, I feel Ivory's pain and oh, having and having you, bra you. strap trouble. Oh no! See, I was good at it right from the start. Getting girls to let me do it, that was where I... Uh... Right, I, I was going to say that's because you started in college, so yeah. 
So Kitty wins as much as anyone could win this match. Um, informs us all, though, you know you were here. I know you came here to see me naked, but they made me wear underwear. And so she takes off the, the gown and then she flashes her boobs. And very quickly, Sergeant Slaughter comes in to cover her up. Which were originally uncensored on pay-per-view when this aired. Yes. Even though this was a planned spot. That was a planned spot, really. Yep. This is this is, I believe, the only planned nudity on uh, U.S. Uh, WWF. I'm WWE. pretty sure that's true because there was the one Jackie Jackie one that was over in England, but and then there was a few mistakes. There was a few times where there mm-hmm. were exposed breasts, where but it really wasn't intentional. Mm-hmm. I mean, did they per- were they playing with fire and being like, "You're going to be topless and upside down, but we're going to make sure the camera doesn't catch." You know what I mean? Like, certainly they <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, gilding the lily or whatever. But uh, this was like, no, Nender's going to show your straight up tits to the camera, tits out, lady. Uh, but what I thought what got me was the bra she was wearing. Like she was, I'm like, you're already topless, hon. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like I could fully, yeah. I could, I could identify every detail of your areola right now. So I don't understand what you're giving me, even taking it off. I mean, I guess it's well, the, the shape. I don't know. You guys tell but, me. Yeah. I, yeah. Bobby. I mean, this is one of those, this is like uh, a question like for the, for the great philosophers. Like, why is it that, when even though you can see all of the outline of an entire boob, uh, there's something special about that piece of clothing being removed, or or of yeah. seeing like the color of her nipple. I don't know. I can't. I, guess, I can't explain it. I guess I feel like that with dicks. I could see that. I could see like okay. I could see a very outlined dick and a very tight something, but it, it's not the same as seeing the dick. Even if it was like a mesh situation, and I can pretty much see it, it's still not the same. So yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I withdraw. But that was super. I was like, "Oh no, she's already." T- I didn't. I'm like, "Is this the part?" Because I knew she. I I knew this was famously the pay per view where this happened, and I was like, "Oh, is that what they mean?" Then I was like, "Do they draw the bra on later?" Like I was like, going through all these questions. Then she took her top off, and I was like, "Never mind. Okay, it was just a wet bra, I suppose." I, I mean, will- I'm I'm gonna ass- I'm gonna assume that this was a cultural touchstone for a lot of teenage boys. I will say that um, one of my very good college friends, Pete Early, a listener of the pod, has been waiting with bated breath for us to get to this particular pay per view, and it was the like watershed moment of his WWF fandom. Hmm. So so yeah, that's what he was referring to. I saw the tweet. Um, he was referring to this. Uh, he he really likes this entire show to be honest so uh, i hope i'm doing it justice for him what was the was there any kind of like general like like what what is there any backstage color to this is there any like um was that what was the reaction like you know i'm kind of curious in terms of it being a planned spot you know that like was she on board? I mean, I guess she was on board. She did it. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, I was looking, uh, believe it or not, uh, Miss Kitty did not write a book. Um, so <laughs> it, I was curious to see if I could find it. I was even looking for like Ivory. I, I would love to hear more from like the women of the time about like what these conversations were like. There's a lot with some folks that are coming in. I think um, you start to see these these folks are here. I mean, like Miss Kitty was not here to, you know, uh doing to be, uh, be the first woman to headline WrestleMania. You know, like she was here to right. do this. Um, but I think right. it's interesting to see people like Jacqueline and Ivory. I think it's interesting. We'll see like folks like Tori Wilson and Stacey Keebler at some point down the road, Alita and Trish, obviously. Um, 
and not even all those folks are all workers. You know, it's like uh, Stacey Keebler wasn't a worker, but being in these really degrading situations that are kind of like go beyond just like the sunny sable sexy stuff into being like de- really truly degrading i mean like the 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 the, the epitome of degradation uh I, I really be curious to see more from from folks like that but no one i was trying to find folks from this particular mess uh i didn't find as much on this I will also say um, that May Young bit at the end I thought was funny too. Me too. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, I think that was the best part of the the whole bit. Yeah, I agree. Right uh, that was my note. It was like the the, the call kind of like callback May Young joke was very very funny. So then we go and see that Rikishi was attacked by the Hollies on Heat as Viscera just kind of like watched it happen. And then uh, Rikishi decided to channel his inner Andrew Dice Clay with a little hickory dickory dock. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I watched that twice, and I still didn't quite understand, like, his rhyme scheme or, like, <laughs> like what he was saying. I did um, appreciate a very early bit of body positivity and um, talking about how, well, no, he says, I represent all the fat, healthy people out there. And the fact that there can be people who are overweight and considered fat by society, but are healthy and, and exercising, like that's something that has only like come into uh, the, the common understanding recently. And I thought that was cool. I mean, yeah. I do like the message. I thought this promo was bad. Mm-hmm. I, I yes, like, I yes, don't, like, it was. I was like, he is angry, but like, it, like nothing really tracked or made sense. I'm like, I agree with the point, but I don't think uh, he earned it. A hundred percent agree. I he think was- he like he did. Didn't he also like try to rhyme like doc with talk? It didn't yeah. really work. No. Viscera, meanwhile, is working a, a big creep gimmick where he's lusting after Tori. There's a, a moment where he steals the Godfather's hose. Now, this is, is I think, what you're talking about, Bobby, with the two guys that are just kind of thrust together. Yeah, yep. this is real. This was really a weird situation, this match. So I, I have two questions uh, before we move on. Uh, this is kind of like early Rikishi for me. Mm-hmm. So Rikishi Fatu, I, I recognize the last name. Is he Jay and Jimmy's father? Father. father. Yes. Yep. Was he the guy who was like uh, playing like some not the Sheik, the, the Sultan. Sultan or something? Yes. This is the same Sultan. guy. Yep. Yes. The body type looked different to me. I didn't. I don't think Listen, I recognized the body type. Those harem pants are very flattering. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know what? I'm. A, I think this goes against Bobby's initial uh, statement. I guess in our last episode or one of our previous episodes about how if you wear more form fitting stuff, it's more flattering. The those pants were a lot baggier. But the waist is cinched. That's the thing. The waist is cinched, but oh, the, okay. the, okay. the legs are a little, have that flow to them, like a palazzo, almost like a palazzo pant. <laughs> okay. A palazzist. Um, <laughs> the second question, how do you spell Rikishi? Oh, don't ask anyone who's doing Chirons just yet, because they haven't really netted out. They're not sure where they're netting <laughs> Okay. Out. Okay. We've got yeah, a real like, Farouk on our hands here. They, are, they haven't yeah. really landed on how they want to finish this one. 
Like the they're saying it like the first letter that the that the second letter is an A, like it Rakishi. Is not. It is not. <laughs> it's yeah, it's an I, right? That's mm-hmm. what they say. That's what they have uh, on the WWE network. Yep. Yes. Or the Peacock, as we call it. <laughs> okay, those are my questions. I rest my case. <laughs> um Another one, though, that I thought I was going to hate from start to finish, but really liking watching uh, this early Rikishi here. And dude can move for a big guy. Rikishi's so man. I, Rikishi is good. Mm-hmm. Rikishi's good. I love his super kicks look like fucking a million bucks. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't like the some of his signature moves that'll be added later to his repertoire, and will probably be most uh, he'll be most known for. Are not my favorites. It's a little hokey gimmicky for me, but. Um, the Rikishi driver is a dope finisher. I mean, that is a dope looking finisher. Can I but also like, say, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? It's, it's like the, that sudden sit down tombstone almost. Ugh, yes. Beautiful, beautiful move. Yeah. Can I also say, uh, I mean, he really brings it with that ass. Like there's something about Rikishi's bottom half that he, he, it reminds me of like Megan the stallion. Like it's just, I don't know. I was having weird feelings looking at, at his, at his butt. You're like Rikishi. Yours is an ass that truly will not quit. It would, it just won't quit. You have to eliminate his ass. Well, don't worry. You will get plenty of Rikishi's ass to come. Do not worry. A feast, a feast for your eyes. It's so much. He's gonna break the internet, guys. Just put a <laughs> put a cocktail glass, a martini glass on it, on it, and uh... you could sit a tiny cold Bernie Sanders up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope I hope in two weeks when this airs, we'll be over that as a people. I don't. I never. There's not. I am not tired. That's one thing I'm like. I'm not tired of at all. At all. They still. No. I, still find, I was still surprised by one today. I'm still I'm I'm tired of the backlash. I well I was immediately tired of the backlash. The backlash was so dumb and like trumped up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm, People are terrible. This this will always happen. Anyway, right. I think uh someone owes Rikishi some uh no bake cookies because Viscera cost him the match. <laughs> I was like, he's gonna have to bake him some I'm sorry cookies. No bake them, I should say. He has to no bake them. <laughs> Gonna have to mix a bowl. I am gonna refrigerate cookies. some cookies for this guy to say I'm sorry. <laughs> so now we've got uh, Val Venus backstage, who's looking to be a champion, and talks up um, Lillian and Espanol. Hot. This is yeah. hot. <laughs> is, Lil- is Lillian Garcia gonna go fuck Val Venus afterwards? She says like, uh, "Let's go," right? I mean. Again, I would have fucked with Valvinus before this, uh, but certainly I was charmed. I was certain. I mean, like this guy's got charisma, man. I wish he went further because he he's got some star power. This was a nice. This was a fun promo. This was a great way to for something that I don't think has much story behind it. Uh, it at least uh, put the what the championship, which is obviously like a very a lower championship, into context for this character. He he looked like the promo like started and I and what I put was he looked like he was doing his best rock impression. Yeah, there definitely he was had rock a, vibes. a real rock energy. Yeah, I the, agree. like the, the 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 cadence of the way he was speaking, especially. Yep, exactly. 
Meanwhile, D'Lo has a new theme. And then I honestly could not remember when Bulldog won the title. It turns out it was an episode of SmackDown where that happened. I would love to take Bulldog out of this match. I was having so much fun, except when the British Bulldog was involved. And every time he was involved, it was terrible. And every time he was not involved, I was having so much fun. Yeah, it was really fast-paced. It was a well, real fast-paced match. I it like was it. when D'Lo and Val were doing it. But every time Bulldog came in, it just like everything ground to a screeching halt. And it was just like clunky. I, I was just like, get out. You're ruining my time. But hmm. D'Lo, and I liked, I liked the finish a lot. I liked that top rope, uh, like, sky high. I liked... I liked a lot of it. I loved the, the the dive over the top rope that D'Lo did. That looked amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed D'Lo and Val's work in this match. There are a couple of uh, WWF superstars that I will um, just kind of look up and see how much longer do we have to uh, endure them. And then I, I shake my head as like, oh, really that long? And Bulldog is definitely one of them. Oh, really? Because I keep being like, this is the last time we see him, right? He's over now, right? It's done now. He oh, lost we got a little gone. while left. Got a little uh, while left. And then X-Pac is letting us know there was a cage match challenge on Heat, but now he has to explain that Kane can only win by pinfall or submission. Meanwhile, X-Pac can climb out. Oh, God, he's so, he's so boring. I now, fucking hate him. I don't know if this makes any sense. But you can hear the cocaine in X Pac's voice. Does that make sense? <laughs> you know what I mean. He's like he has like yes. a permanent post nasal drip. So he's like he's, like everything yeah, is coming from back there. He's got that numb back of the throat going on. Yeah, like Yo, I, can, I can hear cocaine in his voice. That it makes a lot of sense because his face looks super like swollen and busted. Like he looked he looked not good. Well, also. Whoever was, I don't know if you guys watched this part with closed captioning, but I was laughing very hard on this because he has that line like, tell your old lady to stop calling my hotel room because she ain't gonna get none is what he said. Except the, the, um, closed captioner wrote, cause she ain't gonna get knocked. <laughs> <laughs> and then JR repeated it and JR said, yeah, X-Pog t- told Kane to tell his old lady to stop calling his hotel room his night cause she ain't gonna get none. And then again, they wrote, she ain't going to get them. And I was like, okay, they said it twice. And at least he was repeating it. So you would at least pick the wrong thing twice, right? Like, (laughs) this person's really phoning it in. Um, Meanwhile, who did not, uh, or I don't need to go with the double negative. Meanwhile, who looked great tonight, uh, Tori in the Kane's girlfriend outfit looks fantastic. Way better than the uh, airbrushed bodysuit. I would like to say, um, when I saw Tori come out in the in the Kane's uh, red lighting, um, I realized that she has almost exactly the same face as Ivory. They are. They do have similarly pinchy faces. Mm. Right, like they both, it, it, they look like you know two versions of like of of the same doll. You know, like how they made a they made like a Barbie, and then they would make like a you know a there's brunette Barbie, or and like, like the next iteration the of like the April O'Neil action figure, like looks a little different, or like when a new artist yeah. takes over a comic book. 
<laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that where they are close, but I do think they're. I definitely could pick them out of a lineup if I had to. But yeah, they're cut from the same cloth. Tori's a little bit more of a duck face for me, and Tori here is dressed sexy, but the outfit is bad. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the outfit is bad. It those things don't go together. Those shoes, those shorts, that top, none of it makes sense. I understand it's red and black. She was going for a thing, but still, honey, is a day, is a night. Where is she going with this? You know, like it just wasn't, it would not fly on Project Runway. So Bobby, explain to me what I'm missing as, again, you're a a heterosexual male who found this quite appealing. What, what shouldn't I like, have liked about it? Um, Well, it's honestly fine for you to like it. But nothing goes together in terms of like casual upscale evening versus day. The shoes, the shorts and the top were like three different things that all that all were fine on their own, but they didn't make sense together. Got it. You would never see a woman wearing that outfit somewhere like to a party or anywhere because you'd be like, huh? And like, I understand that's not a rule you should apply to wrestling, but she's dressed like a human. She's supposed to be a human woman. Right, right, <laughs> right. Moment, and Like, she's not giving me human woman. She's giving me like someone who like, uh, had a hide in a trunk before this. <laughs> Got out yeah. Wearing whatever it's... was in the trunk. <laughs> it's almost like the, the total is not equal to the sum of the parts. Yeah. Because I think, I think like. What I know I responded to was she looks fantastic. The Like, the way she wears the clothes is fantastic, right? Like, she has a very attractive body for especially those shorts. And I was like, wow, that is very flattering on her. Um, but probably taken as a whole, it's like, what is what is this thing? Yeah. But it's just like, oh, she's got very nice, you know, she's got a very, very nice boobs. She's got a very nice butt, you know, but like, uh, you know. Those are things that, as as straight men, we are being drawn to. I feel like Tori's next iteration is where I feel like she looks her best and is the and is at her coolest. I feel like, um, but this is getting there. This is still like I think some of my favorite Tori now. Like we're getting to a much better Tori than where we had originally, where that was sort of like a undefined baby face. Um, yeah, I remember her more. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely makes a lot. I mean, she has a lot more uh, memorable moments. Uh, yeah, and she's probably probably better off not being in the pool. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so uh, we're in a cage match. X-Pac versus Kane. Um, except shenanigans happen pretty early when the New Age Outlaws show up with bolt cutters. Yeah. Yeah, um, was this was this like... I mean, I don't know. Was this supposed to be like a really hyped face off? Like, were people excited for this? Because I, I don't think I was at all. Yeah, this I think been so. A... I think... Good. This has been a story that they've been building for quite a while. I mean, since they were tag team partners, since X Pac wanted to kind of go off on his own and show that he could exist in in the land of giants. And we've seen this matchup before, but without a real definitive conclusion. And we'll, we're going to see this matchup a few more times. So if you weren't jazzed for it here, sorry. I I, I really enjoyed this match. I thought mm-hmm. it was um, easily the best one we saw so far in the show. One of the best of the night, mm-hmm. um, if not the best, but definitely in contention. It was, uh, you know, I, I thought it moved quickly. I loved, uh, I like Kane's outfit. Uh, I think Kane getting over as a face like this is kind of amazing uh, that they were able to do that with the character. 
considering his origins yeah. and everything he did and, and the limitations and they're able to like turn him into like a sincere, really big baby face. And he, yeah, he I, burned his parents. He, he fucking killed people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then, and then he, the jump off the top of the cage, I thought was cool. I thought catching yes. Spock and carrying him back in was very smart. Every, I thought like it was Kane was playing the top of his intelligence, uh, which is uh, sometimes they don't let him do that. Uh, so I, I think I, I really like this match. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I guess, okay, I agree. Like, the clothesline off of the top of the cage was very cool. Um, I guess, yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I think when I was watching it, I did, you know, I did like it enough. I just always hate X-Pac, and I just always remember, like, like his entrance in, and sometimes the shenanigans, like, with the New Age Outlaws are a little bit annoying. But, no, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, it was actually better than... than I don't know. I, I have some kind of weird thing against X Pac. It's hard for me oh, no. to like. I understand. I totally like understand matches. it. Yeah, because yeah. it's they're they are they're definitely people that you'd be like, oh, those guys are such dicks. Like not in a cool yeah. way. You're like those guys are such assholes. My God. Yeah, like, like bad heat. It's yeah, bad heat. You'd you'd avoid them at a party. Yes. Yeah, but X Pac. I mean, yeah, this... for me, his his work rate is able to elevate him again above his personality. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me. Um, they, you know, they had crazy looking headshots. I forgot about that. The chair shots with the, you know, right to the head. Those yep. looked kind of nuts. The, um, I did like. I did like the the um, the handcuffs. Mm-hmm. You know what? Okay, when we talk about the storyline of of um, X Pac versus Kane, like when you when you kind of like put it in greater context. I think one of the things that doesn't sit well with me is like how we got here because it was like X-Pac and Kane, they team up and X-Pac is teaching Kane how to like wrestle. And I don't know, feel emotions. I'm not sure I follow fully, <laughs> but um, you know, they're, they're kind of like learning from each other. And then X-Pac, you know, he wants to kind of like, he doesn't want Kane to step in on his behalf. So he, you know, he's like, he splits from him because he's like, Hey man, you know, let me let me fight my own fights. And then it's just like X-Pac is like accusing Kane's girlfriend of like trying to sleep with him. And he's just like, I'm an asshole. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, hey, I'm upset with you for stepping in. Now it's just like, we've always been enemies, haven't we? Tell your girlfriend to stop fucking me. It's like, well, I think it's, it's such. A- I think it's just that that Triple H is such a bad influence on him. Really yeah, he's like he's hanging with the him. bad crowd again. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he's like smoking cigarettes behind the gym, exactly. and like ah, that, I need. I think I need. Yeah, I guess that's hard. Yeah, that was not something I picked up on. Which is like, oh, I went back to my old bad friends, and now I'm just going to be a bad person. Like, I wish I saw more pathos in in the way X-Pac performs it, where he's like, yeah, like, fuck you and your girlfriend. And, like, he kind of turns away and a little, a single tear drops down his <laughs> cheek. You are not going to get that in 1999 WWF. Yeah. I'm sorry, Eric. Like, he knows what he's saying is wrong. We know that. <laughs> like, there's a, there's, there's a heart inside him. So then we go to uh, a pre-match vignette that decides not to tell any of the story and just shows a whole bunch of the moves between China and Chris Jericho. <laughs> and so many of them, like, repeatedly. I was like, did you not have enough footage for this package you made? Or 
It's very strange. And, and I don't know if you guys uh, caught any of this, but there was on the build up to this between uh, Survivor Series and uh, Armageddon, Chris Jericho kidnapped China, tied her up, and smashed the shit out of her hand with a hammer so that she required reconstructive surgery. They had to make her, they had to reform her hand. Yeah. It looked. Um, they, they did it up with blood and it looked really, really bad, but, uh, not quite as bad as Chris Jericho's beard. Oof. Well, I have some context here from, from Jericho's book, uh, for these, for this, especially he wrote extensively about working with China cause it was not a great experience. Uh, I know we talked about some of it from the survivor series match. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a much more pivotal one and there's more that happens after it that I'll probably talk more about when we, after we talk about the match, um, the fallout from this match. But he was determined to put this to put a good match together with her. You know, she, uh, for all of the accolades she has, you know, also had some attitude problems and stuff because she was with Triple H at the time. He's at the top of the company. That's kind of how things go. And she was very over. Chris Jericho was not exactly. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, politics involved. And he wrote about how you know, it was his idea to do the, the thumb thing because she was always wearing gloves, even backstage. Like she just always kind of wore those gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh so they use it. They actually stuffed a sausage in the glove and the thumb to smash it with the hammer. That's how they did it. Wow. Um, so probably had like a nice squish on TV. Uh, yeah. And they put this match together to, you know, and I thought, I thought this was a pretty good match. I thought it was a, a, a very good match, especially in um, giving us a new level to Chris Jericho and really highlighting his viciousness and his willing to go all out in, um, in pursuit of the win. Yeah, I liked it. I, I like that he was punching her thumb is really funny to me. And she I, I think like she put this is her this is I think the best China match of all, ever of all uh, that she's ever had uh, and will ever have. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, Chris Jericho did a, does a lot of the work. Uh I feel like in this um, but I thought this was an exciting match and having forgotten who won in this meeting, like, I was really like unsure how it was going to go. Um, I thought they told yeah. a good story. It was very competitive. I thought China's stuff looked the best. I thought that she did some of the best work uh, that I've seen her do. It felt like a real ass good match. I mean, like this was a good match. I was yeah, really some, surprised some... to to see China tap on this one too. Yeah, that was kind of disappointing. I think the finish, but there's all this, you know, there's more to go in this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some things that I I noticed. Um, I I thought China had a really cool flip over the post to avoid. Yes, Charlotte uh, Jericho. does that move now. I believe that's actually a Rick Fl- a Ric Flair move. Um, famously, I believe uh, that Charlotte now does that. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I also thought that um, there was a cool counter to jericho's power bomb it looked like he was gonna give her yeah she did her corona uh, in, in the, into like the mounted punches yeah 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 and then uh of course jericho had an awesome springboard acai moonsault that was really cool um and i also i i really liked seeing i mean i'm i'm not that happy about china tapping out but i did like seeing that like Jericho, Jericho actually like went over with doing the walls of Jericho. Like the crowd really was into it. Yeah, Jericho is over even though he's the again being confusing about who's the heel and who's the face here. Yeah, I mean he's definitely the heel, right? But like they they just seem to be into it. So after this match, are we done talking about the match itself? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I think needs to be said that the near falls in this were very, very exciting down the stretch. Yeah, I was truly at the edge of my seat. I had, I thought I had a lot of fun watching this. Uh, but yes, but it now was, I'm done. It was less fun for other people involved. Uh, so after this match, Jericho feels really good. It was his dream to be Intercontinental Champion. That's the one he was actually obsessed with. He, was, he saw Ricky Steamboat with the championship. His goal was to get the Intercontinental Champion. So this is a very big deal to him. Uh, he's very excited. You know, he's been having, he's been struggling to find his footing in the WWF so far. So this, he thinks, you know, he's really hyped about this opportunity or whatever. After the show, you know, after the match, they usually go find each other. You know, you find your, whoever you were, your opponent. And, you know, you'd say like, good night or whatever. Good match. Mm -hmm. You know, thanks for not killing me out there or whatever. And then he couldn't find China. He finds her. She's kind of like weird and aloof. And he's like, that's weird. Uh, he leaves the next day. He gets called into Vince's office. Um, and Vince is furious because he gave China a little bit of a black eye, even though, uh, you know, he had been told initially when he worked with China that, you know, to not hold back, to don't go easier on her treater, just like everybody else. And she had said that, and she had liked working with that, but whatever, like he had a kind of like a, I guess like a stiff shot at some point and gave her just a little bit of a, of a black eye. And Vince lost it on him and was like uh, that he thinks that Jericho sucks and that he's a, got sold a false bill of goods. He used the term the drizzling. He thinks he's the drizzling shits. Uh, <laughs> he has nuclear wow. heat backstage. Everybody hates him. He better get his shit together and he better apologize to China. And from now forward, he's got to run every single one of his matches through X-Pac, whether or not he's against X-Pac. He's got to have X-Pac uh, like approve basically his matches. Because uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. And so, I mean, just eviscerates him. So, Jericho is pissed, but, like, takes it, doesn't say anything, like, just kind of, like, swallows his pride. And, and he says in this book, it's very much so, like, uh, yes, sir, may I have another kind of beating, tongue lashing. He leaves. He finds China. He apologizes. She kind of just, like, gives a very insincere, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. She goes to, he goes to find Triple H. And he's like, what's the deal? Do I have heat? backstage and triple h is like yeah everybody fucking hates you they think that you that you are this, you're always talking about wcw and like what you did there and whatever and like this ain't there and like we do things differently here and you haven't earned your shit here yet so like yeah everybody fucking hates working with you and doesn't <laughs> hates you and if um i didn't catch this but in the homeless segment um from thanksgiving episode when Triple H finds, I think Triple H is a guy who's like, we'll work for food. And he's like, this guy's a better work. Uh, it's probably a better worker than Jericho. Uh, mm. Oh, I think I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Jericho did. He had heat all backstage. So the other part of this is at one point, Jericho in this, on this pay-per-view also used his go Jericho go prom um, line that he used from his debut. And part of Vince's tirade also ripped on him for quote unquote stealing Rocky's catchphrase. And Jericho was like, what? So just to be safe, uh, Jericho went to the rock and was like, Hey man, uh, Vince kind of said this. And if you think I stepped on your shit at all, like I truly was, I didn't. And rock was like, I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't even sound the same. Like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. He's like, and the rock was like, listen, when I got started here, they put me through the same shit. You have to stay confident. You just have to keep doing you. The cream rises to the top. Like they, I got put through the same shit when I started, you know, in the back with the politics and whatever. And so just like stick with it. Um, and Jericho says like reflecting back, like everyone was right. Like he was, he did have like a chip on his shoulder. He did have to, he, he did have to slow down and like understand how to adapt to a different style. Just like when he went to Japan or Canada or anywhere else. Um, and that like 
the rock, like, he felt good knowing that someone else had like been through the same experience. And as time further went on, like he called his friends at WCW who then like got feedback from Bret Hart, who also gave very similar kind of advice. Like, yeah, man, that's what they fucking do. But part of it too, is that apparently uh, Vince likes to break guys down before he builds them back up, which makes a lot of sense. And if you think about where Chris Jericho's career is going to go, this sort of almost feels like a test to him as if like, will he listen to Vince? Will he blow mm-hmm. up back? Will he react badly? Will he take criticism? Like all this stuff, almost like testing him if he's ready for that next level and in true Vince McMahon fashion, wanting it to be like a creation of his own design. So part of this is like sort of like boot camp mentality. Um, mm-hmm. But it all kind of sprung from this match. Wow. Jesus. That sounds sucky <laughs> to have to deal with. Yeah, but yeah. It's just, interesting. Everybody's kind of, but uh, this is like a very fascinating to me. I found it very much so like a wrestler's court sort of thing of like this backstage culture with its own like customs and traditions and standards and etiquette and having to sort of learn that on the job while doing this job that you're making your own. And, you know, Think about what a pivot point the company is at right now in terms of WCW is on the decline, they're on the rise, but their biggest moneymaker is gone and is injured perhaps forever. Um, they don't know. And on top of that, uh, they, they've they got Vince Russo just left, so they have a whole new creative team in. So like we are at an inflection point at this pay-per-view that as much as you, this pay-per-view is universally panned across the, the, the uh, wrestling online community, uh, I think it's fascinating as like a, a study as like truly a, a, a like a Rubicon we're crossing into a new generation. Uh, and you could see it at this show in so many ways, even the parts of it that are kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny that you say it's universally panned. I can off the top of my head uh, list a few others that sucked worse. Oh, I my mean, God. Easily. The last easily. couple that we covered were are way worse than this. It's not good, but, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean. Uh, there's a lot more going on here than there was in, in the, the other ones that we covered. Certainly the, the UK ones. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but back to people we like. So, Eric, have you, uh, have you answered the question yet of who was responsible for throwing Mick Foley's book in the trash? Was it was it Al Snow? It was Al Snow. On uh, I, 11, on eleven eighteen, only literally only when you asked me is the is when it occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Like I had no thought about this before. They had a great run running up to this though. On November eighteenth, on SmackDown, we had an Al and Mick go to Vegas segment, but then the jealousy really started bubbling up with Al Snow. And you want to watch fucking character work? Go back to the December 6th where Al reveals his betrayal and the promos between the two of them are some of the best I've ever seen. I really, really recommend going back to that December 6th show. As long as it's not going back to like October again. Yeah, I, can't, can't do I can't go back to over. Um, well, you're going to, so suck it up, guys. Oh, <laughs> fuck. I think it's only one more where we have to go back then, but uh, um, don't quote me on that. All right. We still need sexual chocolates therapy. Yep. I forgot. Um, so we've got the Rock and Sock Connection versus the New Age Outlaws here. Um, and that pop for the Rock is something else. 
Yeah, I almost thought it was a, uh, more noted the, the lack of pop for everyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of like arena jazz. It's the notes you don't hear, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, it was, uh, the pops you didn't hear. I did not like this match. It was okay. boring it as was boring. hell. It was so until, boring. Until Al Snow shows up. Once sure. Al Snow shows yes. up, then it got to be at least interesting. But no, this put me to sleep. I was so surprised. This was like the opposite of all of the other ones where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not going to be fun. Oh, this is fun. And then this one, I was like, well, this will definitely be fun. It's the Rocket Mankind. And I was like, mm-hmm. boo. <laughs> like, I, know, I was very whole. Like, I was very confused why I wasn't enjoying <laughs> this. Yeah, I... there was a point. There was a point where uh, Road Dog is in Mankind's headlock and it looks like he's like picking his nose and eating it. And that's my main note from this match. Um, I liked Mankind's grittiness in here. Mick gets hit in the head with the ring bell and he kicks out. He gets hit with a pile driver and he kicks out. Yeah. But that was yeah. the like the bright spot of this match to me. So can you guys explain to me last when last we left off with the Rock and Sock connection, mm-hmm. Mankind like walked away from a match while while Rock was in the ring. So are they back together now because Al Snow turned out to be the great villain? Um, And there was a little bit more going into it than that. Um, Rock even said to him, look, I don't know what happened. I never threw out your book and actually like quoted something from it. And then uh, Mankind like kind of chuckles to himself like he read my book. And so there was um, a growing uh, camaraderie that kind of went between the two of them. And then... um, they were kind of like thrust in together, like the, an enemy of my enemy kind of thing before the uh, the big reveal that it was Al all the time behind this. I see. The uh, the third part of that deep dive probably would have been more interesting than parts one and two, unfortunately. And something else that we missed in a deep dive... Paul White is a bastard. Yeah, man, we really dropped the ball on that one. I was like, what? This is what? They're... She's talking to his mother? We, yeah, we, we didn't drop the ball on that because like the, this entire build between the two of them is a big snooze, no no surprise, until the, the go-home show where Big Boss Man breaks into the Big Show's mother's house with an envelope revealing that the Big Show's father is not his father and that he is a bastard. So is his father still alive? Potentially. <laughs> that's another that's another casket you can drag. Um this match is short but effective. Like I don't want a long match between the Big Show and the Big Boss Man, so I'm glad this exists just to kind of bury this uh this rivalry and isn't so it crazy oh so continue no, so, and so I, while this is is a far and away not a good match um it still did what it needed to and love watching boss man get a big choke slam but sure. isn't it crazy to have the world wrestling champion in the, his first pay-per-view as the world wrestling champion being having a five minute match where the crowd is chanting boring at him yeah, like that's this is that's bizarre to me this is not working and also big show looks crazy um 
He's got to get well, that Gerard Depardieu hair under control. I don't know what yes. is happening. Uh, put it. Let's slick it back in a pony uh, and, and get your shit together, Big Show. Uh, yeah, this was just was very bad. The big. This is not working. This is bad. This is not working. Um, Big Show looks crazy. Boss Man also looks crazy as like the top four buttons got undone <laughs> during this match, and he looks like he's hanging out on the Cabana deck. <laughs> well, the top four buttons are where his body cam is, and he had to turn that off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we have to do another boss man deep dive. Am I wrong on that, Bobby? Is there anything <gasps> of note that he does from here on out? Is there like a boss man bulldog feud we need to like check in on? Or maybe maybe a three way boss with man Midian? and Midian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boss man. It's boss man and and um, uh, bulldog versus Southern Justice in their final tour. The South shall rise again. Ugh. But instead, we've got Triple H versus Vince McMahon in the main event. No holds barred, and like a thirty fucking minute long match. Too long well, of a match. The match was too long. Is that because uh, is that because Triple H doesn't know how to edit his matches, or is it because Vince McMahon wants to be in a, in the match as much as as long as possible? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B, probably. Do you guys notice, by the way, that in the in the the uh, the match art, everybody had to be folding their arms? It looked <laughs> like they were like attorneys at law. <laughs> McMahon, McMahon, and and Helmsley, have you been in an accident? There's a lot to like in this, though. Starting right from uh, Vince throwing the powder in the eyes of Triple H after he's uh, kind of puts the the uh, the sledgehammer down, it's like, no, no, you can come inside. <laughs> yeah. I think- oh, by the way. We uh, in the recap we missed the sh- there was a Shane bump I guess in the go home uh, that looked pretty good like he got thrown like fully off the stage right at the contract signing. It sounds about right. I also want to point out that uh, Steph is one of, Stephanie is one of those assholes that comes like way late into into <laughs> like an, uh, an arena event. And you're like, they weren't fucking sitting in their seat all this time. You, you had a front row seat and you only come for the fucking title Prim- match. Primo seat and it's just sitting there empty. What a dick. Um, I think maybe you guys can agree with me that that machine gun spot was the coolest part of this match. Yes. Um, Loved it. I don't know if that was the coolest part, but that was definitely up there. I like I thought that the 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 in the parking lot, the near the hit, the, the almost the hit and run was a nice oh, comeback in the story. And also good. Triple H tried to hit him with a fucking car. That part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that part. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite spot was the tower spot, like the big fall. Yeah, and I think I got like no reaction it was dumb. to super it was, dumb. It's also like, why was this in the middle? Like, it doesn't make any sense why this was even like erected in the set, except for this this obviously telegraph spot. We know he fell into like uh, a gymnastics uh, place full of like foam blocks, uh, <laughs> like at a kid's gymnastics school. Just like, a it whole, just, was... just a whole bunch of cardboard boxes. Yeah, a lot of like yeah, no. packing peanuts. It it, it 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 truly reminds me of when remember when San Francisco did that whole thing for like that that 
that uh, boy who is like sick and he like wanted to be Spider-Man. Oh yeah. And so they like, it, it's like that, but they did it for Vince. They're like, Oh, you're going to do a big spot. You're going to fall off the tower. Um, I also want to note, by the way, that uh, Triple H's entrance to me was extremely funny. Con- like it was so hyper masculine and badass, and he's he's like spitting the water and he's like flexing fully, and he's brought out like uh, a, a sledgehammer to face a fifty three year old man. <laughs> Like, like, oh, I am in the zone. I'm going to fuck you up, you fucking old ass man. Triple H is 28 at this pay-per-view. <laughs> right? <gasps> Unbelievable. Also, I I think it's, uh, I, don't, I, I think the whole no holds barred thing, I think they get a little caught up on like the... Uh, what would I say on the branding on how no holds barred is just what you call something when like there were, there were zero holds in this match, right? It (laughs) should just be called like no behavior barred. No, like anything goes match. Right. Like I did what I did when, what were you going to say? I was say, it gets confusing in even like the wrestling video games. Cause like the play modes, they'll be like, no DQ, no holds barred, extreme rules. And you're like, wait, aren't those all the same? And it's like very confusing. Um, I think yeah, the same the same yes. holds true here. Is it a no DQ? Is it a is it a false count anywhere? Is it do you have to get pinned in the ring? Like there's like so many questions um with yes. that kind of stuff. And uh, Xbox isn't here to let us know all of the stipulations for this. <laughs> and uh Yeah, it's it's what say, you say? it should be noted that Triple H injured himself this day, twisted like hurt his knee. Not a major injury, obviously, because he didn't keep him off the show, but he was definitely like limping a bit through this. So that also oh, probably okay. led to more um punchy punchy stuff. God, can you see. imagine if Triple H had hurt himself and couldn't wrestle? This? Well, especially oh, right. after the last like pay-per-view? You... Oh, my God. Yeah, like, you injure yourself fighting Vince McMahon, a 53-year-old man. Like, like man, just, like, for the main event to feature a 53-year-old man who, like, two years ago was was working as an announcer. It's like what like in five years are we gonna have like JR versus uh the rock in you know for the championship? It just <laughs> makes no sense. Eric, we told Careful you you're not allowed to look these things yeah. up. <laughs> uh, no J- JR versus <laughs> Diaper Baby Midian for the Intercontinental Belt. That was the Our, one that he I always do... wanted. I, I what's that? That was the belt that he always wanted. <laughs> right, right. I uh, I also when um, when Triple H tried to hit Vince McMahon with the car, I I called that no olds barred, <laughs> like an Oldsmobile. Yeah, it works in both <laughs> ways because also Vince McMahon is old. Yes. Right, right, exactly. I had no cars barred, and I was like, that's good, but it's not as good as no olds barred. Now, Skeleton cars barred, right? <laughs> <laughs> That was a slow build for me. <laughs> I'm glad because it was really bad. Um, well, we were, also, what were you going to say? Oh, 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 just, oh, go ahead. No, yeah. I was going to say we're going to talk about the ending. Okay. Oh, I wanted to talk about the, the stuff that Mankind brings out because at one point uh, uh, Vince hits 
uh, Triple H with a street sign, and it looks like the floppiest fucking thing. It's like, why not just hit him with like a with like aluminum foil? Like, go ahead. Like, it looked like it was doing absolutely nothing. Aluminum foil? You mean those trash can lids? Which actually, you know, they did a good job with those. Triple H was selling them. Yeah, really a trash well. can lid looked okay. We want to go to the finish. Yeah, yeah, I want to know, Eric, your your reaction here. I want to know if you were surprised. I want to know if you how you thought what what, what you made of it. Um, I yes, I was surprised, but also it just felt very much like it was me all along, Austin. Like it was so swervy, swervy, swervy. Like, I, I mean, I don't. Were there hints to that 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 this was going to happen? Like, am I the dummy? For just being like, oh, you know, why, like, why did Steph, uh, you know, suddenly turn? You know, like, why is she in love with with Triple H? You know what I mean? Well, I think there will be that there that will be revealed. Uh, part of me was almost wondering, Aaron, if I was like, should I tell them we should like watch it? Because almost it feels weird to like leave it on this note because really mm-hmm. the like the period comes tomorrow night. Yeah, um, and I, think and I mean we're is, gonna get that in our in our next deep dive. Uh, yeah, it's important for Eric to to see. Mm-hmm. I think the justifications and and all of that I think are well done, and I think it's hard to assess the story without him. But what would you say would be her reasons, Eric? If you were to guess, if I were to guess, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, she looked at Test. He fucking sucks. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't look. Okay, so. If I'm if I'm going back and and like revisiting everything from the wedding, assuming that they really planned this out the whole way early on, um, I think the fact that like Test was pretty inattentive uh, and seemed like he kind of was just like, yeah, sure, babe, whatever you want. I'm a, I'm I'm playing w, uh, WrestleMania 2000. Like he seemed like he was kind of like inattentive, and so maybe she was like on board with with triple h because at least it was passion but like i don't you know like i don't get the that's the best i can do like test sucks so much like why not be with with triple h but like i don't fully or maybe she wants to get back at her father for all the shit with the um with with the what's the face the um the ministry the corporate ministry all right. Those are the only things I can think of. Well, I guess we'll find that out soon enough, though. But we got a little bit more business left to do before we wrap up for today. For years, oh, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards. And Eric forgot about this. And we have our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Eric, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I will say, before we before I give my award, there were two more. <laughs> Two of the things I like that everybody at the end of the match, by the way, was like intent on committing murder. Can we just say like <laughs> they're like I want to hit him with the hammer? No, I'm gonna hit him with that. Everyone was like aiming for a person for a human being's head with the hammer. Um, that's it. Okay, and then also somebody uh somebody brought a sign that said "Que mierda," which means in Spanish "What the fuck." <laughs> they literally brought a sign that they that they that. Uh, it turned out it was it was to good use, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't know that that they were gonna need it. Anyway, my slammy is um, uh, for the most ways to skin a cat goes to this pay per view. Um, 
in in a in I guess there's a little wordplay in there. So first of all, like one of the things I noticed in the battle royale was there were a couple. I mean, it was it was a fun match, but there were a couple spots where I was like, man, they are trying real hard to make it look like they got thrown out of the ring when they absolutely were not. There was there was a I think a, a spot with Farouk where he just like. He gets hit and he just runs to the middle rope and jumps through the middle rope like he took a fall. And I was like, this is that was not good. Um, there were a couple matches later on where, again, just like bumps that people took where they were just like, oh, time to get out of the ring now. And they just like flopped outside of the ring. Uh, and then, of course, uh, when, you know, Miss Kitty decides to disrobe. So that was my that's the genesis of that award. Uh, I don't have nearly as long an explanation, but I'm giving uh, the Rushmore Award to this pay-per-view because the set reminded me of the Max Fisher players from the movie Rushmore. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's really good. Um, I'm going to give the Greg Norman Award to Greg Norman, uh, who was showed up on this pay-per-view. I didn't know who it was. It was very funny to me because it was coming right from the backstage segment, and they came back with a shot of Greg Norman, and Jerry Lawler's going, Greg Norman! As if he was warning us that he was incoming. <laughs> Is he, he was a golfer, right? Yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, we're just watching, and there was a hard, there was a smash cut to the audience. And Lars yells, Greg Norman! <laughs> There and it is, really delighted me. There is one golfer that I can recognize on site, I think. Is it Greg Norman? It's Happy Gilmore, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> what a fun... It was my favorite... It was the Shasta McNastiest uh, audience <laughs> signing I've had in quite some time. Greg Norman! Greg Norman! <laughs> Love us? Disagree? Want to participate in a convoluted plan to... Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at Pod or tweet at us individually. Erica Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Mitts by Disco Vietnam and our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be have a new episode next week, and join us again in two weeks for the 2000 Royal Rumble. Hey guys, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? You know, by the way, do you remember? Do you, like the art for this had the Undertaker. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron uh, leaned heavily into that in the beginning of the episode. Where were you? <laughs> I'm gonna go buy socks and quickly, uh, guys. <laughs> wow, Bye. I, I must, <laughs> I must have been. Uh, Putting in my time entry from for, for work, I forgot. You, you, fell, in a, you fell into a stock hole. You couldn't get past <laughs> you. It was a real stock hole syndrome. <laughs> Whoa! Boom! Boom!